Amen. We're in a passage of Scripture that, that deals this morning with exorcism. And it deals with how we use the name of the Lord. Do we treat the name of the Lord flippantly? I think so many times in, in our day and age, people treat the name of Jesus as something that you can tack on to just about anything. And as long as you say Jesus' name, God blesses it. As long as you use Jesus' name, whatever you're doing, it's okay. And we can start to use Jesus' name almost like an incantation. Not that we would ever call it that, but we almost can treat it like, like magic words. That if we just say, in the name of Jesus, if we just say, Jesus, do this, it will happen. Now, there is a right way, and we should be praying in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, but we also don't come with demands to the Lord and assume that if I just tack on Jesus' name, I can do and say whatever I want. These men thought that they had power, and they thought that if they just said the name of Jesus, it would be power in them. They treated it like a magic formula. Jesus Christ is a real person. And so we address him as a person. We honor him. We lift him up. And so when we pray in Jesus' name, we are making ourselves humble and lowly and appealing to him as the mighty one. Our main point this morning is this. Trust the power of Jesus, not man. Trust the power of Jesus, not man. And you'll see as we walk through this, the men who are using Jesus' name were, were saying in the name of Jesus whom Paul preaches. They weren't trusting in Jesus. They were either trusting in themselves or trusting in Paul. They were trusting in the bare words of saying the name Jesus. So our main point this morning again is trust the power of Jesus, not man. So first, trust the power of Jesus, but do not believe all who invoke the name of Jesus. Trust Jesus, but don't necessarily believe or trust automatically all who invoke the name of Jesus. Let's walk through this passage here and notice that God is doing amazing miracles through the ministry and the life of Paul. I mean, there, there's just no two ways about this. This was amazing even for what they were witnessing. Acts chapter 19, look at verses 11 and 12. And God was doing extraordinary miracles by the hands of Paul so that even handkerchiefs or aprons that had touched his skin were carried away to the sick and their diseases left them and the spirits came out of them. Notice right from the start, right off the bat here, God is doing these miracles. This is the work of God. That's very important. This is not the work of Paul. This is not the work of, of anyone else. And this is not the work of the ones carrying the handkerchiefs. This is God doing a miracle. This is God doing something that God doesn't ordinarily do. He's doing something extraordinary so that people would hear the gospel of Paul and understand that Paul is an authorized witness from Jesus. The scriptures say in Ephesians that, that God lays the foundation of the church 
on the prophets and the apostles. And the cornerstone is Jesus Christ. That means that God is doing something unique here through apostolic ministry. And apostles were those who had seen the Lord Jesus Christ resurrected from the dead. He had appeared to them and they had been authorized in a unique way to start building the church. If we think of ourselves as being in that one church building, we, we are like up several floors, if you will. Several layers of block have been laid down. The cornerstone has been set when Jesus Christ died on the cross. The early ministry of the apostles and the prophets to, to bring the word of God to us. The foundation has been set. And so the ministry of the apostle was unique. And it lays a foundation for us even in the church today. We're not to expect that this ministry that Paul had, this, this ability to, to have handkerchiefs and aprons touch him is, is normative uh, for the life of the church. I have a handkerchief in my pocket this morning. Uh, trust me, you, you don't want to carry this home. Uh, this has no power in it to, to heal you. I am not an apostle. I have not physically seen the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. And no one who is alive today has seen that either. Apostles are unique. The book of James tells us how it will be in the more uh, later times of the church. He says, is anyone sick among you? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith will save the, the one who is sick and the Lord will raise him up. If he has committed sins, uh, he will be forgiven. There is an appropriate time where if you are suffering some sort of sickness because of some sort of sin and the Lord is teaching you something and, and maybe walking you through a hardship so that you might learn and repent, there is an appropriate time where you, you call the elders and you say, look, I'm pretty sure I have this illness because I've been walking away from the Lord or whatever this sin might be. And they appropriately pray over you and they, of course, pray that if it's the Lord's will that he will heal you. And that prayer works. God still heals people today. But God always acts in accordance with His will. We're not to expect that we can take home handkerchiefs or prayer rugs or whatever they might be and they'll have magical healing powers today. But God was working. God was doing some amazing things. And I want you to see then that some Jewish exorcists seek to mimic Paul and use Jesus' name. So they are attracted to the power that Paul has. They are attracted to the, the crowds that, that Paul is gathering and the people that are coming to hear. And they, they are thinking, in effect, wow, if we could just do that, if we could have that, think of how many people would flock to our ministry or whatever they called what they were doing. So look at verses 13 and 14. Then some of the itinerant Jewish exorcists undertook to invoke the name of the Lord Jesus over those who had evil spirits, saying, I adjure you by the Jesus whom Paul proclaims. Seven sons of a Jewish high priest named uh, Sceva were doing this. Uh, I hope I'm pronouncing that right. I always think it, you know, Sceva, it sounds kind of 
Sounds like a bad name. You know, the name should raise flags, I think, sometimes here. But, but notice what they're doing. Notice that these individuals are not proclaiming Jesus Christ. They are not bringing the gospel. They are not saying that Jesus Christ died on the cross to pay the penalty for your sins. And if you believe in him, you can receive the forgiveness of sins. They are not doing that. And then God is doing miracles so that people would say, wow, they're really preaching the gospel. These people are coming and they're saying, how can we get the shortcut? How can we have the power that Paul has? They invoke the name of Jesus. Notice, I adjure you by Jesus whom Paul proclaims. I adjure you by Jesus. They're not proclaiming the gospel, but notice they're saying this Jesus whom Paul proclaims. Paul is preaching and they're thinking we can piggyback on the message of Paul. But and this is really important. They use Jesus's name. They use Jesus's name. And they use it wrongly. They use it like a like a talisman, like a magical incantation. We invoke Jesus Not because they have personal saving trust in Jesus, but because they want the power that Paul is demonstrating. They want the fanfare. They want the crowds. People will use the name of Jesus and they will use it for selfish motives. They will proclaim that they are doing things in the name of Jesus, teaching, preaching, healing, casting out demons. And they are doing it not in the name of Jesus, but for the name of themselves. Notice the name of Jesus and the name and Paul is not magical incantation. Look at verse 15 and 16. But the evil spirit answered them, Jesus, I know and Paul, I recognize. But who are you? And the man in whom was the evil spirit leaped on them and mastered all of them and overpowered them so that they fled out of the house naked and wounded. If you don't realize it, they got beat up. They got pummeled. They were embarrassed. They thought that using the name of Jesus, whom Paul preaches, and saying it in that way would defeat these demons. And the demon just was like, you're a nobody. You you have no power over me. Um, This this was a smackdown. One person versus seven. I mean, there was obviously demonic strength uh, going on there. Jesus' name is not to be used flippantly. Jesus' name, Jesus has power and authority over all things. The scriptures say when the Father has seated him at the right hand of the Father in heaven, uh, that all authority has been given to him. That all things have been put under his feet, dominions and powers and, and everything angelic and demonic and spiritual in those realms has been put under the authority of Jesus Christ. And so that if they had been believers in the Lord Jesus Christ, if they had been appealing to Jesus saying, Lord, save us and save this demon possessed man, Jesus Christ could have vanquished that demon with just a simple word from heaven. Amazing power could have come on high. But you can't just tap into that power through just magically saying the name Jesus. 
God was not working in them or through them, and God had given them no spiritual gifting to do these things. Let's make some applications here. There are many today who use Jesus' name and who, who we should not trust in their ministry. There are many today who claim that God is working in them and they will use the name of Jesus and we shouldn't believe them and we shouldn't trust them and we shouldn't think what is going on is genuine just because you heard them say the name Jesus. These seven sons of Sceva said the name Jesus. I'm proclaiming to you today the name of Jesus. And I'm proclaiming to you the same Jesus that Paul proclaimed. But the difference is that we are using the Word of God. That we have put our faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. And we are not using Him as some magical power to make ourselves look big and powerful and good and mighty. And many today use Jesus' name in that exact way. So, a false witness today may actually invoke the name of Jesus. Jesus says in Matthew chapter 7, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name and do many things in the works of your name. And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, workers of lawlessness. Notice this. Many people will have been proclaiming, Lord, Lord. Many people will say to Jesus on that day, Jesus, we prophesied in your name. Jesus, We cast out demons in your name. There was the appearance of something good going on in their ministry. There was the appearance of people getting healed. Maybe even some got saved even though the minister himself wasn't saved. That can happen if the person is actually using the word of God. The sons of Sceva weren't using the word of God. There have been down through history men who have stood in the pulpits and they have read sections of the word of God and people get saved and the man himself is not saved. And there will be people on that day who will say, Lord, Lord, I thought we were doing this for you. And God will say, Jesus will say, I didn't know you. You are a worker of lawlessness. So 1 John chapter 4, verse 1 tells us, Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God. For many false prophets have gone into the world. Angelic activity and spiritual power is no sign then of the work of God. Let me say that again. Angelic activity and genuine spiritual power is no sign of the work of God. It's not an automatic sign, if I can say it that way. For the Scriptures tell us in 2 Corinthians chapter 11, for there are many false prophets, deceitful workmen, disguising themselves as apostles of Christ. Paul faced it in his day, 
How much more are we going to face it in our day? People disguising themselves and saying, I am an apostle of Jesus Christ. I'm sorry if you haven't seen Jesus Christ resurrected bodily from the dead. You don't make the cut. I'm not an apostle. I'm a pastor. There's a difference in the Bible. Anyways, 2 Corinthians 11 goes on. And and no wonder, for even Satan disguises himself as an angel of light. Think about that for a moment. Satan disguises himself as an angel of light. What does an angel of light look like? Bright, glowing, magnificent, spiritual power, great, fun stuff to see. But Satan himself disguises himself as an angel of light. Someone showing up on your doorstep and saying, hey, I have a ministry. Someone getting a big pulpit or a big TV ministry doesn't automatically make them a man of God, a preacher of the word. Second Corinthians continues, so it is no surprise if his servants also disguise themselves as servants of righteousness. Their end will correspond to their deed. Paul says in Galatians, for even if we or an angel from heaven should preach to you a gospel contrary to that one we preach to you, let him be accursed. As we have said before, so I say again, if anyone is preaching to you a gospel contrary to what you received, let him be accursed. Paul says in Galatians, if an angel shows up to you and is telling you something other than Jesus Christ died on the cross, rose again from the dead, salvation is found in Christ alone, that if you believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, you get declared righteous, you are saved by faith alone, in Jesus Christ alone, through the grace of God. Paul says, if anybody shows up, anybody, and they tell you something different, and they add to that message, and they pull you down a new path and say, I have something for you that is spiritual. Let that person or being be cursed. Get away from it. No, no, absolutely not. If it is not bringing the gospel, it is false. I'm not talking about a pastor who's preaching a section of Scripture that we don't normally go to, maybe something out of the Old Testament, and, and he just kind of wanders down that, and you go, wow, I've never heard, heard that before, but it's in Scripture, and, and, and he's still proclaiming that Jesus Christ is Lord and that Jesus Christ died on the cross. I'm, I'm not saying that, that if you are in a new passage of Scripture in the Bible this week that the pastor never talked about before that it's heresy. I'm talking about someone that brings something new, new doctrine, new, new teaching, something that, that has never been heard in the history of the church. Something that if we're comparing all of Scripture with other passages, we're going, this, this doesn't add up. This isn't right. If they're asking for money to correspond to the healing that they're offering, it's not from God. 
You see it today. You know, send in your seed gift and we'll send you our handkerchief or our little prayer mat or our little prayer mug, uh, whatever it is. And, you know, you send in your $10 and, and God will multiply it a hundredfold. And they will say, in the name of Jesus, these things will come back to you a hundredfold. And they're not talking about God bringing you spiritual blessings because you're you're helping the church. They're they're talking, you can be a millionaire. You can have that big house in the Hamptons that you've always wanted, or in South Florida or wherever you've always wanted to go. You can be rich because God will pour out His blessings. Just make your check out to. It's a scam. That's a mockery of the Word of God. And it's using Jesus' name as an incantation. You can't always tell just by the fact that someone uses Jesus' name that they're telling you the truth. Be on your guard. Satan is deceptive. I'm going to do something I don't normally do, and I'm going to name some names. There are people out there, and they preach what's called the prosperity gospel, that wealth and healing and success will come to you if you just trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. If you just trust him, you can get rich. And oftentimes they have big crusades, and they claim that healing is going on, and, and you can watch them on TV, or you can go there, although I don't recommend you go there and You can see them slay people in the spirit. And you can look and be like, wow, maybe there's real spiritual power going on here. Maybe there is real spiritual power going on there. And maybe it's the wrong kind because there isn't the gospel there. People like Benny Hinn. People like Joel Olstein. People like T.D. Jakes. A more contemporary, younger guy, Stephen Furtick. There's a lot of horrible things out there. Be on your guard. I don't say this to make ourselves better than all them. I say this to say, look at the sons of Sceva. They use the name of Jesus. They use the name of the Apostle Paul. And they did not have the gospel. Another example, I think, is using God's name or using Jesus' name even, even to endorse a a political person or a party to invoke Jesus's name, to give power or authority to your politics, as we're starting to see in this season as the election approaches. It's great when we pray for our leaders. We should absolutely do that. It's great when we lift them up and we say, may God's will be done with this, this nation. May he guide and, and strengthen people. That's good. The Bible tells us pray for your leaders. But when you call down the name of Jesus and use Jesus' name to say, give power and authority to to this person or this thing and, and let Jesus have all of our enemies defeated through that person, you are working on a line, walking on a line towards a false gospel. Pray for leaders? Absolutely. Pray that God's will be done absolutely. But don't wrongly invoke the name of Jesus as a token, as an incantation that brings some kind of magic power to you, to your ministry, to fake healings, to your politics even. It's wrong. 
The seven sons of Sceva did it, and they got pummeled. Let's not fall into that trap. Let's not fall into that trap of what's sometimes called the, the word faith movement, where if you just speak it, if you just speak Jesus' name, whatever you ask for, whether it's money or riches or power, it will somehow rain down on you. Trust God, not man. Scriptures say in Isaiah 46, or excuse me, Psalm 46, verse 3 and 4, Put your, not your trust in princes and a son of man in whom there is no salvation. When, he, when his breath departs, he returns to the earth. On that very day, his plans perish. How these sons of Sceva trusted in their own power, in their own ability, and even in the ability of Paul, as they said, we invoke Jesus whom Paul preaches. Don't trust in men. Trust in Jesus Christ. Trust the power of Jesus by fearing his name. That's our second point this morning. And we're really just going to highlight these last two verses here. Look at verse 17. And this became known to all the residents, both Jews and Greeks, and fell upon them all. And the name of the Lord Jesus was extolled. What happened? People saw that the name of Jesus had power and might and that there are grave consequences for a flippant use of Jesus' name. They started taking Jesus seriously. They kind of, in effect, said, wow, we don't want to cross Jesus. He's the King of Kings. He's the Lord of Lords. As Scripture says, when God raised up Jesus from the dead, He, quote, seated Him as His right hand in the heavenly places, far above all rule and authority, power and dominion, and above every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the age to come. And He put all things under His feet and gave Him as head over all things to the church. And so what did they do? They, they lifted up His name. They magnified him. They said, this Jesus is awesome. This Jesus is amazing. There is nobody else like him. We believe him. We trust him. He is awesome. You see, they didn't treat his name like some kind of, uh, of magic thing. This wasn't like in, in Harry Potter where you're, you're not allowed to say the name Voldemort because it has some sort of mystical power to it. And if, if you follow Harry Potter, you know what I mean. If you don't, don't worry about it. But, but they take the name of Jesus and they, they talk to the person and they say, Jesus, you are awesome. There is nobody like you. And there is now in them a, a fear that falls upon them. This, this idea of, of a deep reverence. Where, where, yeah, there's a little bit of, we don't want to cross Jesus and use His name flippantly. But there's also this, oh, He's amazing. We need to, to bend our knees before Him. To bow down, to worship Him. God uses this to extol and lift up Jesus' name. And He brings the saints to do this. Trust the power of Jesus. And we need to, to have a healthy fear of Him. A healthy fear in the sense that, that Scripture says, let those who boast, boast in the Lord. See, the seven sons of Sceva came in and they boasted, not in the Lord, but, but using His name who, whom Paul preaches. 
They boasted in the man. We're going to do what Paul does. Paul preaches this. We are doing this now. We need to boast in the Lord. If the Lord is working in your life, boast in Him. What does that mean? Well, how would you, how would you boast in, in a sports player? Uh, when, when I was a kid, this maybe dates me now, but you know, Michael Jordan was a huge basketball player. Now I guess it's, it's LeBron James. Uh, but if he's your man, if he's your player, you, you, and you're going to boast in him, you're, you know, man, the, the Chicago Bulls in that day, they're the, they were the best team. They were, they were amazing. They could take on anybody. Then, of course, the one year during the Olympics, you had the dream team, the U.S. basketball team, all the great players of that day getting together. And, and you were just so proud that they were your team. And, and you would, you know, you would talk a little bit of smack to, about other teams. Oh, you can't take them down. Now, I'm not saying that we should talk smack and use Jesus's name. But, but I am saying you know how to boast in human things. You know how to boast about teams. And, you know, a little bit of fun rivalry and camaraderie is good. We, we oh, Jeff's not here today. We boast at the volleyball team, at the volleyball games. We razz on each other back and forth. But do you boast in Jesus? Do you say that Jesus is awesome, that Jesus is number one, that there is nobody like him, that nobody can take him on, that nobody can take him down because all authority has been given to him. Everything is under his feet. We need to be Christians today that boast in Jesus, not boast in the size of our church, not boast in our ministries, not boast that that I can wave my hand and you all will fall over now slain in the Spirit. But boast in Jesus and what Jesus does to save people. Jesus shows us our sins and opens our eyes. Boast in Jesus. And then lastly this morning, trust the power of Jesus to display and display that trust by obeying Jesus. Notice what happens here. When believers lift up the name of Jesus... Real transformation takes place. Look at verses 18, 19, and 20. And many of those who were now believers came confessing and divulging their practices. And a number of those who had practiced magic arts uh, brought their books together and burned them uh, in the sight of all. And they counted the value of them and found it uh, came to 50,000 pieces of silver. Uh, if you don't realize, that's a that, I mean, that's like oodles of money that they just burned there. So the word of the Lord continued to increase and prevail mightily. When Jesus is at work, there is repentance. And when genuine believers turn to the Lord Jesus Christ, they, they turn from their sins. People decide and are convicted here and they say, we are not going to mess around with this. We, we, we believe in Jesus. We're not even going to keep these old books in our house anymore, let alone practice it. And they bring it out and they burn it. Notice it says they are confessing and divulging their practice. There, there is this fear here in Jesus that, that we cannot obey both God and the things of this world. We cannot follow Christ and demons. We cannot worship God and money. We cannot 
um, have Jesus in our lives and live in rampant sin and be okay with it. And so they bring this out and they confess and they divulge and they say, I want nothing to do with it. Magic books, spells, incantations, stuff that was in there, they burned. As Christians today, you cannot participate in Christ and participate in magic and spiritualism. Tarot cards, psychic readings, astrology, horoscopes, Ouija boards, meditation that that uses your, your trying to reach a higher plane of divinity, some forms of spiritual yoga, Buddhism, communing with higher powers, all of this stuff is demonic. And we can't associate with it as Christians. We need to separate from it. And when the Lord Jesus Christ has changed your heart, when He has drawn you to Himself, when you see that Jesus Christ is Lord over all things and all that He did in His death and His resurrection, there should be a brokenness. A delight in Him, but a a brokenness over our sin. And we bring these things before the Lord Jesus Christ and we say, get rid of them. I want nothing to do with them. May that be where we are in our Christian life. That as the Lord convicts us of sins, as He exposes things that are going on in our lives, things that we haven't handed over to God, things that we haven't trusted with God, may we give them over. Sins that we need to flee and walk away from, may He empower us to do that. Because the Lord Jesus Christ is precious above all things. Let's close in a word of prayer this morning. Our gracious God and Heavenly Father, oh Lord, we just thank You for the work of the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus, we just bring praise and honor uh, to Your name that You are lifted up over all things. That, that every spiritual authority, power, and dominion is under You. We praise You for that. Let us be a people who yield ourselves to You, who do not treat Your name flippantly, who do not invoke it as some sort of magical power, but that as we pray in Jesus' name, may it be because we know of Your cross and Your resurrection and that we know that the blood of Christ covers us from our sins and You have forgiven them and wiped them away. You are our God and we are Your people. Oh, we pray these things in the name of Jesus. Amen. We have a closing song uh, this morning that the worship team